So we've been in a, a series called and Spiritual Gifts. We're going to start today in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. And I don't have time to go into all this today, but the gifts didn't go anywhere. People's hearts did. Yep. Doubt and unbelief came around because of uh, skepticism in theologians. And, but the Word of God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. Amen? Amen. One day we're going to have this church as a church of color, and I'm going to have some people in here that are going to give me some more amens and that. Amen? Or something got to go on, huh? I know we're probably all, we're probably we were all from England growing up, and we're all really staunch or whatever and quiet and whatever. My, my DNA mostly is that way. And I'm not the loudest, most rambunctious guy, but I think we can say amen. Amen, that's not too hard. Right? Amen means so be it. I mean, so be it, okay? That's a good thing. So we're in 7 through 11, 1 Corinthians 12. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Every single one of you. Amen? Whether you know it yet or not, it doesn't matter. Every one of you for, for the profit of everybody. Not your profit. It's not talking about money profit. It's talking about the benefit, okay? <laughs> we don't sell these things. <laughs> anyway, verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit... To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same spirit works all these things. All these things. Works all of these things. Not some of these things, all of these things and more, distributing to each one individually as he wills. No one has the right to change the word of God. No one. Okay? So in this series so far, we looked at the spiritual gifts of the word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. Today we're going to be looking at the spiritual gift of faith. We're also going to be looking at faith, what faith is, but also the spiritual gift of faith. So we're going to look at both those things, because there's actually two types of the gift of faith in the Bible. Okay? This can get, faith can be a little confusing. This. There's a gift of faith you receive when you're born again. All right? It's, and we see this in Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So faith is a gift from God. Grace is a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. Our breath is a gift from God. Amen. It's all a gift from God. In Romans 12, 3 says, To each one is given the measure of faith. This is something you receive when you're born again. The gift or the measure of faith. So, so there's also the fruit or the, sort of the spiritual gift of faith we saw in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And so it's interesting thing about faith is that faith is a spiritual gift, but it's also a fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Do you remember that? Yep. You guys remember the song from VBS or something? The fruit of the Spirit is... Or maybe it's God Rocks or something. I don't know. We used to play this song so much. They're still stuck in my head. That's a good thing. But Galatians 2, 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, is peace, long-suffering or patience. It's gentleness, kindness, faith, meekness, temperance against such things. There is no law. I mean, there's no laws against these things. <laughs> these are all good things. There's no laws against them. We should be all for that. So you remember I mentioned earlier that gifts are given, but fruit is grown. And the interesting thing about faith is it's both. 
It is a gift that's given to us at salvation. It's a spiritual gift that comes on us from time to time, the gift of faith. But it's also a fruit to be developed in our lives. It's, it's, part, it's just like character has to be developed in our lives. The, the fruit of faith has to grow and to be developed in our life. We don't pray and ask God for more faith. He already has given us the measure of faith. It's just we have to go to the gym and use the muscles to make them stronger. As we use them, our faith will grow. In your spirit realm, your faith's already made perfect. In your soul realm, that's the part that's growing daily. It's the fruit of faith. So today we're going to look at both the fruit of faith and we're looking at the spiritual gift of faith. So the fruit of faith is grown on the inside of us when we properly tend to our spiritual gardens or our hearts. Okay? We have a garden in here. And the Bible talks about guarding our heart, tending to our heart, our gardens. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart... For everything you do flows from it. What gets in your heart? What are, we, what are we putting in there? What's in there? You know what gets in there? How you spend your time. If we're watching horror flicks and things like that, you're sowing seeds. And he who sows reaps corruption. He sows the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. He sows the spirit, you reap eternal life, you reap, you reap eternal things. So um, when we go through something difficult, something faith shattering, faith rattling, something challenging or difficult, it's important to process the painful thing you went through with the help of the Holy Spirit, because if you don't, it's going to hinder your faith. It's going to grow, it's going to choke out the seed of the Word of God that was planted in your heart. It's going to choke it until you become unfruitful. I'm going to go show you this more, but unprocessed pain, disappointment can have a major impact on our spiritual gardens, and more specifically on our faith. It is, okay? So faith is very important. We know this. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. That's kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. It also says that everything we do that doesn't come from faith is sin. That's another big deal. I like the first verse better than the second one. The other one kind of <laughs> seems a little scary or whatever. But, but um, our head faith is not enough. Right. Head faith... I was on a roll there too. <laughs> but head faith is not enough. Okay, just like uh, head forgiveness is enough. Jesus said, unless you forgive from your heart, all this, then, then you're going to be handed over to tormentors. And our head faith doesn't work. I, uh, he says, I, you say you have faith. Well, that's great. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. But real faith is going to be determined by what you do, how you're doing, what, what you're doing with your life. So one of the things to know is our faith is the main thing that the enemy is trying to attack in your life. More than your family more than your health, more than your finances, more than your salvation, more than anything else. He's trying to attack your faith. Your faith. He really is. Remember the parable of the sower? In the parable of the sower, after the seed was sown, the seed was the word of God. After it was sown, how long did it take the devil to come by and try to steal that seed that was sown? What does it say? Immediately. Immediately. I'll show it to you just in case you don't know this scripture. Mark 4, 13 through 15. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? This marks this parable as a, a pivot point or the most important parable where we get understanding from all the other parables through this parable. Okay? And this parable is talking about your faith. Some of your faith. The sower sows the word. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So I mean, before we even get to the back to the fellowship meal, before you can get out to your car after the service is over, 
Satan's going to try to steal the seed of the word of God that I'm sowing right now. He's going to try to steal it somehow. Some might step on your foot. They might spill their drink on you. God forbid. I hope it doesn't happen to you. Something might happen. You get offended, ticked off. Oh, that person cut in front of me in line or some other carnal thing. He's going to do something to try to steal the seed of the word of God from your hearts today. Because he does it every day. He comes immediately. He doesn't wait a month. He doesn't wait a couple days, a couple hours. He comes immediately. Why do you think he does that? Why do you think he does that? Because he doesn't want to let the, uh, the seed of the word of God ta- have a chance to germinate in your heart and your life. He wants to steal it in its infancy. He wants to take it for its chance to grow and sprout and produce roots in you. Because once that seed starts to grow and produce roots in you, your life is not going to be the same. He's after your faith. He's, the harvest of the seed is your faith. The harvest of the seed being sowed is the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God as you hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it again. It's sowing these seeds deeper and deeper into your heart. You still have to guard and protect that. You can't listen to garbage all week long and hear a sermon once a week and think your faith is going to be successful. It's going to be unfruitful. It's going to not prosper. It's not going to do what it's intended to do because your heart is so full of weeds and so full of stuff that's choking out that thing from growing the way it wants to. This is not just a sovereignty of God thing. There's a sovereignty of God thing with a spiritual gift of faith that comes on people as he wills. The Bible says that. But this fruit of faith is something that we have a part to play in it. And it's tending and guarding our hearts and pulling up weeds, plucking out stuff that doesn't belong in our heart that's going to hinder the word from growing. God wants your, your faith to be productive. He wants your faith to have, have successful seed and harvest in that. But it will not be unless we tend that garden. It just won't be. Okay, so over time, the germinated seed becomes a plant, and this plant is called faith. Remember the mustard seed parable? What did he say? It was it used to be the smallest seed of gardens, but when it's done growing, if you've watched it, if you take care of it, if you take care of it, it's the largest of all garden plants, it says, and it's able to have birds and stuff in the nest. You'll be able to support other people with your faith because it grew. It's not the seed is not the point. It's, har- it's harvesting the seed. It's taking care of the seed till it gets full blown, full grown, till it gets to do something. And the word of God is the seed. It comes in word form. That's the seed. It comes in word form. What you hear, you're hearing it. And what you do with the soil of your heart and the seed that sown will have an impact on the harvest that you see. This isn't just about the sovereignty of God in your life. He is sovereign. We're in a Presbyterian church. You saw the sign. You probably are shocked if you're a guest here. That, <laughs> well, praise God, because we're not typical, whatever. And I don't want to be typical of anything. God made us all different, and that's great. Amen. But what you do with the soil of your heart, what you do with the seed of the word of God, is going to have an impact on the harvest that you see. And people will live like whatever they want to do, and they say, well, I guess it was just a sovereign God. Why this happened, and why that happened, and what happened. That's not what the word of God teaches of uh, the four seeds, types of soil that seed was sown into, only one received a harvest. That's 25%. Okay? The other three didn't tend to it. It wasn't, didn't do something right. So I think there's something he wanted us to learn from this. And he said, this is the most important parable. Uh, you get this one, you'll get all the other parables. Because it's all time with your faith. Your faith, okay? So guarding and tending your, and protecting your heart with the soil is very important to our faith. Now, if the enemy cannot steal the seed of the word of God from us, he will try to plant weeds in there. So if he can't steal it from me, he's going to try to plant some other weeds in there, some other seeds that bring weeds. Look at Matthew 13, 24 through 28. 
Another parable he put, for, he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while he, the man slept, his enemy came, that's the devil, and he sowed tares among the wheat, and when they went away. And when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, and the tares had also appeared, so the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us, to go, us then to go and gather them up? So the point here isn't about gathering them up right now. The point is that the seed was sown from the enemy. These tares, tares are uh, basically look the same as wheat until they have the ear produced. And then you can tell the difference. We can't tell in the real infancy stage. But another name for tares is a bearded darnel. Or darnel. You ever hear that? A bearded darnel. And it's the species of, of a ryegrass, and this seed is a, has a strong sephoric poison in it. So it wouldn't, not enough to kill you, but it might give you a bellyache if you have eaten it, but if, if, if you tried it. But he's sowing poisonous seeds in the garden of your heart through something, some way in your life. If you can't steal the seed, he's going to try to plant poison in there to try to grow up and choke out the word that's in your life. Because you know why? He's after the harvest. He's after your faith. He doesn't want you to have faith. Because you don't have faith, you're going to to have peace. You're not going to have joy. You're not going to have answered prayers. You're not going to have a real relationship with Jesus because you don't have faith that he even loves you because he's stolen stolen that seed of the word of God out of your heart. You're going to live in doubt and unbelief and torment because it's not rooted and grounded and established in your heart by faith. Amen? So if our enemy cannot steal a seed, he's going to try to plant these poisonous weeds, like weeds like this. Your faith's not good enough. Your faith's not good enough. Now, I know you got quiet here because I whispered it, but you all have heard that. Every one of you heard it. Guess who said it? The devil. And it was the seed being sown in word form. That's how he sows it, is in word form. Your faith's not working. It's not working. Why don't you just give up? Why don't you stop praying? He's not listening to you. He's too busy answering someone else's more important prayers. He doesn't have time for your little thing over here. That's the devil 100% of the time. Jesus doesn't speak like that. He's like, come to me, little children. Come to me. Come to me. I'll bless you. Come to me. Your prayers are not being answered, another one. God doesn't hear you when you pray. God's too busy doing something more important. The devil also try to sow bitterness and discord. Mm-hmm. Does he not? In your heart, in my heart, in everybody's heart, it's seeds that he tries to sow. He'll try to sow discouragement through unprocessed pain or loss. I prayed for five years for this. I prayed for this. I prayed for this. This didn't happen. All of a sudden, unprocessed pain and loss becomes seeds of doubt and unbelief, seeds of poisonous pain that chokes out the faith seed. Next time you're praying for something similar to that, what triggers back is that past memory where it didn't work out the way you wanted to. This is what God's saying to you by faith. Amen? Have you ever been there? Of course you have, because you're on this planet. We all have had that happen. All of a sudden, you pray one time for somebody, and they didn't get healed of something. Then you hang it up and say, I guess it's not for me. But the faith doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that way. Okay? He'll try to sow discouragement through, uh, in your life. He'll try to sow disappointment. Only. And all these seeds, as they grow up, they're choking out the word. He'll try to sow negative testimonies. 
someone else. You're going through something. You ever notice how foolish people are sometimes? Man, you get pregnant or something, you'll have somebody tell you the worst horror pregnancy story they've ever had. They need to get, a, like Debbie says, a spirit of slap on that person or something. Get some kind of brain power to say, you don't say that to a pregnant mother. What's wrong with you? And, uh, you know, or, <laughs> you know, or, or you, whatever, whatever the situation is going through, you hear this testimony like, oh, my so-and-so had that. Guess what? They died. Well, guess what? That's just the testimony they needed to hear. Sow that seed in their life. Thank you very much. You might just need a muzzle right there. Amen. But negative testimonies can impact your heart and your faith. All of a sudden, it triggers this something. You're like, ooh, I felt that. It triggered that fear bone in you or the funny bone or whatever in you, the fear bone. And next thing you're like, I don't like how I'm feeling right now. Well, guess what? When you're feeling that way, something got triggered in you, this fearful thing. You need to take that and go home and talk to the Lord about it and say, okay, God, this happened just a minute ago. This person said this, this person said that. And it made me feel fear. And guess what? He's not going to like, shame on you. You should know better by now. That's not your father. That's a devil. He'll say, come here. Come here. Let's talk about this. Well, let's, what does the truth say? He, they, they, don't, don't worry about them. They didn't mean anything by it. The devil might have inspired them even to say it. They don't even know. But what, did, what does the father say? I'll tell you an example. This one's really weird. I still don't know what's going on. <laughs> Wasn't planning on sharing this. But anyway, just uh, Friday night went to Walmart. And somebody, uh, I think, targeted me, Holly, or, our, or Lauren at Walmart. They put this black mask um, on my door handle, and then they also lifted up the, the, uh, the windshield wiper and slid a black mask onto the wiper. And there, if you look online, now I'm not trying to sow fear, but it is a negative testimony, right? It, this part of it is, anyway. I don't know if they did it because of Pastor P. I don't know if they did it because they wanted to kidnap my daughter. I don't know why they did it. But you look online, those are the two things that they place those things with fentanyl. And then when you touch them, something bad happens to you. So you can hear testimony like that. Praise God, I'm going to practice your faith right here. But guess what? When you hear something like that, when you experience something like that, you can't just call up your neighbors and go on Google and just like, oh, no, someone's coming after me. Oh. I mean, you can do that. Guess where you're going to go? You're going to be in. You're going to be in the medicine cabinet with pills, trying to fix your headache and all this stress and anxiety you're going through. Or there's another way. You can take it to Jesus. Say, Hey, Jesus, this kind of freaked me out a bit. Somebody, uh, someone did this and someone did that. And what do you say about it? And it's say, and he just, it just minister to your heart about it. Did I like it? Do I know? And I filed a police report, and we sent the mask off to be tested. We uh, talked to the county in Avery County and Mitchell County. They're looking into it to check it because I want, don't want anything bad to happen to anyone else either. Amen? But when you hear a testimony, negative, whatever, you have to take it back to the Lord if it triggers something in you. If it triggers fear in you, you need to talk to him about it because he's going to help get that fear out of you. And then... Uh, and where does he sow these seeds? He sows them in our heart. The same garden that the faith is supposed to be in, growing in. So, um, and if we let it, if we, don't, if we don't deal with these weeds, it will choke up the seed of the word of God and make it unfruitful. Let me show you that, Mark 4. Mark 4. I got, hope you guys are okay with my Walmart story. <laughs> but maybe you have to home pray, but at least wait till I'm done, okay? <laughs> Take it to Jesus. I, yeah, I'm saying it laughing, but... You need to do that. If you get triggered because you're afraid this is going to happen or that happens, the only source that can take that fear away is Jesus. And there is no other source. So Mark 4, 18 and 19 says this. 
Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word in the cares of this world or the worries of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things uh, enter in and choke the word and be- becomes unfruitful. So it chokes out the word, making it unfruitful. See, we have to, we sometimes we take the sovereignty of God and just make it so extreme that it supersedes our faith, supersedes our heart, supersedes all the instructions about guarding our heart, protecting our heart, sowing the seed of the word, all of our responsibility, takes all responsibility out. It's all about the sovereignty of God, and that is not gospel truth. Amen? He is sovereign. He is God. But in his sovereignty, he gave us instructions on how we should live, what we should do with our heart, how to tend our heart, how to garden that, our heart. So let me talk a little bit about faith, and then we'll look into the spiritual gift of faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is believing we receive something from God that we can't see. Something you haven't seen yet. So you can't judge it, but well, I haven't seen it yet, or it hasn't happened yet. That means nothing with faith. You haven't seen it yet because it hasn't manifested yet, but faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you can't see. You're not supposed to be able to see it yet until you have it. Once you have it, you don't need faith for it because you got it. Amen? So the substance of what we hope for is called faith, and it comes in seed form. It comes in word form. The evidence or proof that we have what we hope for, even when we can't see it, is our developed faith or our faith seed that has germinated. Germinated. Okay? It's our developed faith. It went from hope into substance into I have it. You actually have to believe you have received it before you get it. That's faith. That's not um, Kenneth Hagin. That's not word of faith. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that. You must believe you have received it before you have it. Let me show you this. Um, well, first I'll read this verse first. Mark 4. Just showing the progression of this. Mark 4, 26 and 29. And he said, The kingdom of God is like as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. It should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. Well, I don't either. I don't know how that happens, but it does happen. All right, 28. And the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the ear. After that, the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts the sickle because the harvest has come. Once the seed of faith is planted in the ground, there's a germinating process. There's a, there's a time period of when it's put in the ground to when it actually comes up where you can see it until the time you can actually harvest it and eat it. Think of corn or, or wheat or whatever. It's going to take time. Us digging up our faith seed to see if it's working isn't going to benefit you at all. You don't know how it's working underground. You don't know how it's working in here either. But you just know if you tend to your heart, you put the faith seed in there and water it daily with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, it's going to grow and produce a crop that is supposed to 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. Amen? Amen. So uh, the fruit of our faith, uh, this is the fruit of our faith and how it grows. And we inherit our promises through faith and patience. Everybody loves that word. Right? This isn't McDonald's or Burger King or anything like that. Your faith is going to take time. The fruit of your faith is going to take time to grow and develop in your heart and your life. It's going to take some time. I can't tell you how long it's different for everybody, but when we guard our hearts and tend to the seed of the fruit of faith, it will grow. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain in the head, and after that it's harvest time. 
So what are we supposed to do? There is going to be a wait period. Unless the gift of faith comes in, that's another whole story. We're getting to it. When the gift of faith hasn't kicked in the situation, we're going to have a, a, a waiting period for the answered prayer. Okay, what are we supposed to do while we're waiting? We're supposed to protect the seed, right? Protect the seed. Water it. Give it sunlight. Take care of it. Sow some more seed in there. Because you have to give that seed time to germinate and produce the harvest. It's going to take some time. It's take time to get roots in there. So again, Mark eleven 24, I'll read this to you. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. You are believing you have received something before you can see it. That is faith. Now, people that are trying to figure this out intellectually is like, that makes no sense. Okay, I did not say this is logic. I said this is faith. God doesn't think like we do. He doesn't do things. His ways are higher, greater, better. It's not logical. It's easy to believe something's happened after it's already happened, but it doesn't take faith to believe it's happened after it happened. It just takes experience. Faith is believing what God said is true when you can't see it, and then one day you see it. You're walking in the, the fruit of your faith right now. Right now. You're, you're living something you used to pray for. You're walking in today. It's happened over time. It happened. You're living in it. And it will be the future for you too. But it's going to take time. Amen. But we have to believe or receive it before we have it. Jesus calls this kind of faith blessed in John 20, 29. He said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen. Believing faith is not faith. It's faith that you can't see. It's faith. I know it stinks. I know you wish it's the other way. I know you do. I do too sometimes. But if you want our faith seed to grow, we've got to tend to that heart and let the faith grow. You want me to say that again, Siri? <laughs> You'll have to listen to it again on the live stream. I don't know if I can repeat it. But uh, let's move now to the gift of faith. That was perfect timing for Siri on there. I didn't quite catch that. So 1 Corinthians 12, 9 says to another, faith by the same spirit. There's a spirit of faith. The Holy Spirit can come on us. The spirit of faith comes on you. And when it does, I can only speak from experience. I, can't, I don't have a lot of teaching on this from books and stuff. But when it does, I'm telling you, you feel invincible. You feel like Superman, that there's no such thing as kryptonite. You feel that nothing is impossible. You, it, just like, it just like explodes on the inside of you. And when it does, man, look out. Stuff's about to change instantly. Miracles, stuff happening rapidly, quickly. Whether it's demonic stuff, sickness stuff, it just happens and changes. I got testimonies to share with you. I'll say them for the end. But this spiritual gift of faith comes upon cooperating believers when needed as determined by the Holy Spirit. And I say cooperating believers because if you look even just typically how God does things, he doesn't, go, he doesn't give things to people that aren't hungry. If you're not hungering and thirsting after something, you're probably not going to walk in these things. If you're spending very little time to no time with God and reading the Bible and very little time with him and you expect to have the gift of faith come on you, it's probably not going to happen. It could because he's God. He can still do it, but looking traditionally throughout history, it doesn't happen that way. When it happens to someone who's spent time in prayer and fasting and they're going after God and seeing what God's trying to uh, get things rooted and grounded in their heart and things out of their heart, that's not supposed to be there. And you're praying and believing for somebody else, all of a sudden, boom, one day. You don't know when it's going to happen, but it happens, and man, man it's an amazing thing. You wish you walk in that all the time, but uh, it's pretty amazing. So, 
This is uh, absolutely a sovereign thing, but it's also a co-laboring thing. Because as we're, as we're close to him, as we're parting with him, as we're preaching his word, all of a sudden his spirit comes down on his word, and it happens. So I believe this gift was on Jesus' life a lot. Amen? I believe it was on his life a lot. Let me show you these examples, and I'll tell you some testimonies too. In Jesus' hometown, what happened there? He couldn't do much, could he? He said he couldn't do any miracles there but lay his hands on a few sick people, right? Why, why couldn't he do it? He's the son of God. He's God, anointed like no other, oil of joy on him, peace on him, anointed, the, the dove remained on him, all that. What happened? Unbelief, yeah, and dishonor. Dishonor. Miracles happen in the culture of honor. We're honoring one another above ourselves. It's not just honoring the pastor. It's honoring one another, the Bible says. Honoring your husband, honoring your wife. Honor is a culture where miracles happen. But it's interesting, if you look down in in Luke chapter 5, verse 17. One day as he was teaching, that's Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. That's not really a verse you'd expect to see connected to the Pharisees and the the crowd that he was with that day. Do you see what I'm saying? Uh, But the dunamis power of the Lord was present to heal. But look who else was present. The Pharisees from every village... um, Every village from Judea, Galilee, and Jerusalem, they were all sitting there. It was this big crowd of people. So knowing the Pharisees like we do, knowing what they're known for, you have to know there would have been dishonor, skepticism, unbelief in that crowd that day, would there not? So why did what happen this day, why was that so different than what happened in Jesus' hometown? Why was it different? It's the same thing. They had dishonor, disrespect. But this time, something amazing things happened. The power of the Lord was present to heal, even in the middle of that crowd. What happened? I think, personally, it was the gift of faith came on Jesus and also came on, well, we'll read the story, came on the four guys who let the man down through the roof. Let's read that real quick. Luke 5, 18 through 25. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat, and he tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Some scholars believe this could have actually been Jesus' own house. Verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. (laughs) Oh, man. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began to think to themselves. They were in the house with them. Okay? Who is this? Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or say, Get up and walk. (laughs) Man, Jesus is awesome. Verse 24, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them all, took what he had been laying on and went home praising God. So my question is, what's the difference? The Pharisees were there. There's dishonor there. There's definitely unbelief there. He's even correcting their attitudes in this story. What's the difference? I think it was the gift of faith. It's not normal for four guys to take a paralyzed man who, who couldn't stop them, uh, pull him up on a roof, 
rip the roof off and lower this guy down. That's not normal faith. That's a gift of faith. Look, that came on all four of these guys. Jesus saw it, recognized it, and he's just like, oh, this is great. This is great. Now, the guy who owned the house might not have thought this is great, if it was Jesus or whoever, but he's like, what are you doing? But the man was totally healed. So what I'm saying is you can, you can make formulas and things that God does it this way and this way, and you can, there are patterns you can see in the Bible, but when the gift of faith kicks in, it's another whole story. Let me tell you some stories that I have personally. This is going back a ways. Um, 2002, Micah was less than a month old. And I went to Nova Scotia for my first ever healing uh, meeting at an all-black church. It was me, and there was probably two or three other white people in there. It was amazing. I was the minority for one of the first times ever until I started going to Uganda. <laughs> I was more regular. But, but anyway, I um, had this church, and the pastor went to go visit this young man house and he was visiting him talking to him downstairs and I was upstairs talking to the grandmother her name was Ruby and while I'm talking to her uh, she just started talking about how her back was hurting it felt honestly felt like the gift of faith was on me pretty much the whole weekend I had been spending time in the Bible a lot for that trip praying fasting reading the word listening to tapes I'm just feeding myself full of the word and uh, this lady's telling me her back pain so I, picked, I don't usually do it like this anymore but it was that day just picked up a book I threw it on the floor said pick that up she looked at me like I was bossing around. Like she goes, I said, pick it up. She bends over, picks it up. And she goes, looks funny. Like throw it down again, pick it up. She does it again, does it three times in a row. She goes, praise God, my back is healed. I never did pray for her. It was the gift of faith kicked in. I just, I was, I was just, I don't know why. I mean, you can't explain some things when the Spirit of God tells you to do something. I probably was nicer than what I sounded right there to this lady because in her home, but just threw it down. But she three times, boom, she was healed. Uh, it was must have been a theme of the weekend because I remember later prayed for another guy. He had um, he recently had surgery on one of his kidneys and he missed the services for that weekend, but he was there for Sunday morning. And he was saying, oh, "I'm sorry, I missed the meetings. I just was in so much pain from surgery. The stitches are still fresh." I said, "You didn't miss anything." Now I'm not recommending you do this. This is like a this is like a Smith Wigglesworth <laughs> thing. I didn't punch him or anything, but I again I had this book or something. No, I didn't have the book that time. I said, "Bend over and touch your toes." He looked at me like. I got stitches, like, or bend over, touch your toes. He bends over, touches his toes, stands back up. It's like, praise God. Like, all the pain, the, the tenderness, everything was totally instantly gone. Again, I don't recommend you doing this just in the head faith. Amen? It wasn't head faith that day. As you can tell by the fruit. It was definitely more than that. Another guy, um, he, he was the one who donated air miles so I could come there for the weekend and minister. And he had double kidney failure, and his mother had previously died from that same issue. And I, it was the same thing with him. He's, he was missed the meetings because he's a businessman, couldn't make it. It was there Sunday morning. And it's like, you didn't miss anything. And I prayed for him. I told him to touch his toes. He looked at me like he was a business guy. He probably was super rich, didn't like me telling him what to do. I don't know. But he didn't do anything. I said, hey, touch your toes. He bent over, did it again. He, he did it, and all of a sudden, boom, it was totally healed. It's healed. All right, one more. Uh, this lady, she was, uh, she was born with a stutter. Some of you guys have heard this, pro- heard this before. She was born with a stuttering issue. She was in her, I think, 30s probably. And uh, she couldn't do much because she's always like she couldn't talk. She couldn't, even at her job, she's like, like couldn't say ST words and things like that very well. And uh, so anyway, someone told me about this lady coming that night. And she's, she, she needs healing from stuttering. So I said, I just, I was just preached this message on healing, called this lady up, I can't remember what her name was, she came up to the front, 
And I was like, in the name of Jesus, I command your tongue to be loosed right now in front of the crowd. There's probably a couple hundred people in there. So, And, um, and I said, I didn't even wait to check how, how you feel or anything. It was just like, it was the gift of faith. I mean, you can't just, you can't, it doesn't make sense. All right, it doesn't make sense. So sometimes when you see people on TV doing things, if they're operating this, this might be why they look so strange or whatever, but I just put my, my uh, mic to her mouth really quick. I said, now say, Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. But I didn't say that last one very well. I pronounced it poorly, and the whole crowd started laughing, <laughs> and uh, it was pretty bad. But anyway, she, and she said it, and then the church, there's a black church, of course, and they're running around all dressed up fancy, waving her hankies. They're hooting, hollering, shouting, glory, hallelujah. And then she grabs the mic, she goes, oh, wait, that was easier for me to say. What I couldn't say very well is S-T words. And she's like, stutter, 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 like that with attitude, you know? And the church goes, whoa, sister, they're just like, they're like going crazy in there. So it, that was Canadian Thanksgiving, that's October uh, 7 through 10, around there, usually Canadian Thanksgiving. Halloween time comes around, and they needed someone to do their um, MC for their Hallelujah Night, their Halloween alternative. And so uh, she's like, I'll do it. That's all she did was stand up and say, I'll do it. The church ran around again, celebrating like crazy, because she hadn't been able to do any of that stuff for all her life. And so that was on video, and that was happened. And there's other ones I could share from Uganda and different things like that. Uh, maybe I'll share one more, and I'll turn my notes off. One more. One, you go on to one. Um, we, I just preached on the biblical basis of healing, how it's God's will for us to be healthy. Not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually. I mean, we're, with, we're connected to God. He who joins us with the Lord is one spirit with him. Amen? So I'm just going to preach what the Bible says about these things. And then uh, Dave Mark. Are you here, Dave Mark? I thought I saw him somewhere. Anyway, uh, he was there, John Stevenson was there, and I just released him to go pray for everyone in the room that needed healing. And it, honestly, just like a pastor Stevenson, it felt like everyone in the room was getting healed. Whether they, if they weren't, it was a translation error. As far as we know, everybody was getting healed. And so they prayed for this one girl, though, and she wasn't getting healed. And I had just the gift of faith on me for preaching that sermon. And she, I said, bring her to me. And it kind of felt like Jesus saying, bring that boy to me. And she comes up to me. I put my, she had a headache and had been there for a long time. She was 21 years old, only been saved for nine months, a former Muslim. Um, I put my hand on her and boom, she just like falls out on the power of God, which doesn't happen all the time. Most times I pray for they don't. I don't care if they don't. I just want them to get healed. I don't care if they fall or not, but it happens sometimes. She fell. And while she's on the ground, she started manifesting demons. Well, the gift of faith, I mean, if you don't believe it, I have some video to show you guys some of this stuff because it really, demons are real. They didn't go, the gifts didn't go away, and neither did demons. All right, just, just saying. People can believe that because they want to put their head in the ground like the ostrich, but it's just not true. So anyway, she's on the ground, she's rolling around, she's making all kinds of weird noises, and they have people holding her, restraining her. And I just say, don't hold her so tight because I've read stories of people actually getting physically injured while they're being restrained during these demonic manifestations and even having their arms broken because they're holding them so tight. You're like, we're, we're, we're going to protect her. We're, we're going to deal with the demon. We want to protect her. And so I, I just, the gift of faith came on. It was, it was like a, a gentle, loving Jesus thing. I just like stepped over a few people and just put my hand in her head and just, I, I didn't, she was trying to punch me. And uh, like really like trying to punch me while I was praying for her. And John Steen was holding one of the arms. And I said, now don't you let her punch me now. And you guys know John said, I just might. Because <laughs> I might let her go. And let her go. But right, right there in the middle of that, John was even had a sense of humor, which is, I thought was great. So, but I was just releasing the love of God to her. Didn't feel an ounce of fear. Didn't feel an ounce of intimidation. His gift of faith. 
I wasn't worried about her punching me or what the crowd's going to think or who's going to say this. I was only focused on that lady and releasing the love of God to this young lady. And it was about, I don't know, a couple minutes max. And she went, <gasps> and she goes, something left me. And man, when she said that, Man, I just, all three of us in the whole church just exploded. Like you saw this white man, the 5.2% of me that's African come out. And we're, we're dancing and shouting. And like, I mean, until we're sweating, crazy sweated, soaked, it's already hot there anyway. Just celebrating that Jesus is victor. Amen. So that's the gift of faith. It's different from the fruit of faith. Uh, the gift of faith is more fun sometimes. But it, it happens as God wills. It's, it's part of his sovereign thing that he does. We don't know when it's going to happen sometimes, but it will happen more often for you when you're in the word and you're hungry, earnestly desiring spiritual gifts like the Bible says to do. Amen. If you want stories, they're not going to happen by fluke. It's not going to just be a coincidence one day, like knock on wood, I hope it happens. It's going to happen when you spend time with Jesus. You have encounters with God. You open up the Bible. His Spirit's revealed to you. And then you start walking in these things. And it becomes more and more normal as you do it. Now, I will say this too. Just because the gift of faith isn't manifesting in a situation doesn't mean it's not God's will to heal you. Your faith is enough. There's a reason why the devil's telling you it's not enough. It's because it is enough if you let that thing germinate and grow and get, produce muscles and strength until it's strong. And you, you see it through to the end. If you don't give up, cave in and quit, you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Amen. So uh, I'm going to pray and we're going to, I don't know what we're going to, we're going to eat. I guess something, have some food here. But uh, I just want to stir you guys up that the way you see yourselves, the way you view your life, the way you view your gifts, might be totally different than the way Jesus sees you. You may have gifts in you that you have no idea about, because just because you haven't walked in them yet. Because you haven't walked in them yet means nothing. It just means you're uninformed. You just didn't know. But once he reveals it to you, once he empowers you in these things, who knows what you could be doing for him? But it's going to start through spiritual hunger. It's going to start by spending time in the Word. It's going to start by passionately pursuing, earnestly desiring. The Bible, the word there is the same word for lust. Lusting after these spiritual gifts, not to make you a somebody. It's because you already are somebody. You're, you're God's son. It's not to make your name famous. It's to make his name famous. It's not to make you look good. It's to help someone else with healing or whatever. So I just want to pray uh, for you guys. I guess the best way to pray for this one is that God will release a spiritual hunger in our church. That you, get, you just can't wait till next Sunday or the next life group meeting. But you have to know, you just have to know, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Why, why am I really in Avery County? Why am I really living here? Why, what am I doing on this job? What am I doing on this planet? Why am I alive? I'm telling you, that is the question of your heart, every one of you. There's a reason why you guys haven't died yet. Well, you had multiple accidents, multiple things happen. There's a purpose and a plan for your life. He has plans, purposes. He's before ordained, before the foundation of the world for us to walk in. Well, guess what? You're not going to figure that out by playing on Facebook. You're not going to find it out in the movie theater. You're going to find it out in the secret place of the Most High. And you tap into the Father's heart. What is your plan for my life? And guess what? He's probably not going to answer the first time. Because he knows, like, ah, he's just superficial prayer right here. Can I be real? 
you're going to have to press in maybe again. Amen. It might take you a week. It might take a month. I don't know how long. But if you draw close to God, he will draw close to you and he will reveal the secrets of your heart. He will show you why you're on this planet. Your God-given purpose and design and design desires for your life. He will release it to you and you can walk in the things you've never walked in before because you know who you are in Christ. He has a pat. He has something for you. He is for you. It's different than me. It's different from your mother, your father. It's different. It's something specifically designed for you. It's inside of you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But you're going to have to go to him to get it. There's no shortcut. There is no shortcut. I know that stinks for those that like me that like to be lazy sometimes. I think we all like to be lazy at times. But I'm telling you, there's such a benefit on the other side. of, And, you know, when your heart shifts... It might feel like a lot of work at first, getting digging in the Word and studying. But once your heart shifts, there's nothing you enjoy more. It's, it's like you're spending time with God, and He's talking to you. He's telling you about your life, about your future. That's a pretty big thing. And it can happen in your home every single day. But it's going to start through spiritual hunger. You have to earnestly desire these things. Amen. So that's what I'm going to pray for today, and then I'm going to pray for the food, and we're going to eat, and then the devil's going to immediately try to steal what was sown. He will, because it says he will. So I'm just going to tell you that ahead of time so you can guard and protect what seed was sown. God's been speaking to you during this, this message today. He's been speaking to you. And you need to remember it after we eat, after you get home, later on this afternoon or tonight. You need to remember what he's been speaking in your heart today. All right, so God, I thank you for everyone here. I bless them in Jesus' name. I pray, Father God, with all my heart, you stir up spiritual hunger in us all. All of us, me, God, us, all of us. Stir up the gifts in us, stir up hunger in us, God. Let us guard the plants, the, the, the seed of the word of God that's been sown in our hearts. Protect it from uh, the, uh, the thief. Protect our garden, God, from other seeds, other weeds we need to pluck out and pull. Lord, I pray for faith to grow, 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 grow. The faith in how much you love us. The faith that you live in us. Faith that we're really forgiven of all of our sins. Faith in everything you've ever said. <laughs> faith in you and your word. God, I pray you'd stir up a spiritual hunger right now. Right now, Lord. Right now. They would earnestly, honestly desire spiritual gifts for the edification of the body and for the, for the working and for the lost as well. You gave these gifts for a reason because they change hearts and lives. I pray for a releasing of gifts, but also more importantly, a hunger for the things of God. I bless your children right now in Jesus' name, and I thank you for the food. I thank you for spiritual food. I thank you for physical food. Bless the hands that prepared it. Yeah. Bless their hands. And thank you, Jesus. That's my official prayer for the food. But if you want prayer for healing or something, I want you to come up. I'm going to pray for you. Maybe I have other people pray for you. Um, God's stirring something.
And I don't want to just rush off to the food, but I did pray for it. So it is pre-blessed. <laughs> and uh, you can get in the line. You got something, Aaron? Yeah. I don't normally ask to share something, but I really want to challenge you guys to come next week. I know Ryan already said um, about uh, next weekend, but I want to just challenge you. You know, there are a lot of spiritual gifts and we're to earnestly desire them. But Jesus commanded us that we're supposed to go into all the world. This is one thing that every one of us, no matter what our gifting is, we can walk in evangelism. And, you know, a lot of, like, I know the, probably the number one thing that people think about is, well, what am I going to say? Jesus said, when they take you in Mark 11, 13, something like that, um, do not worry what you will say because the Holy Spirit will give you the words. So I just want to encourage you, don't let the devil steal from you. And telling you, you won't know what to say. You won't know what to do. Come, be blessed. Amen. 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 Thank you, Aaron. All right, you guys are dismissed for food. If you do want prayer for something, physical healing or something, come on up. Um, I would love to pray for you. And others that want to pray with me here too, that's that'll be good too. So, food's back there. If you don't know, you just follow your nose.